Welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small business sustainability. And our guest this week, we're in Santa Ana, California and talking to a business owner who's making a clean sweep of the janitorial world. This is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we're celebrating small businesses for big breakthroughs. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Jasmine Zhao, the CEO of Juniper Cleaning. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. And for visionaries who don't know who you are, who are you and what is it that you do? Hi, my name is Jasmine Zhao. I manage my family's commercial cleaning company, Juniper Cleaning, in Orange County, California. Now, one of the reasons we're talking with Jasmine is I've been getting a lot of visionary questions about franchises, being a franchisee, and what if you no longer want to be part of a franchise? What's involved with that? And it, it can be kind of a scary prospect in the process. But before we talk about that, Jasmine, tell us, give us a little bit of background because you've taken over the family business, haven't you? And who started the family business? My father. Okay. He started cleaning himself and then he was really good at it. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, he was really busy and he couldn't handle all of the work himself. Right. So he gathered a team together. And then as his small little cleaning company, at this time it was just house cleaning, right. he wanted to get into the commercial sector. So he, he purchased a janitorial franchise. And why did he choose to do that? Because buying into a franchise can be very appealing to a lot of people. It is very appealing because mm -hmm. they give you, uh, well, they're supposed to give you a, a business model, something right. that you can follow. And if you follow, you can be successful. Right. Usually that's the whole point of a franchise. Right. How long ago did you take over your, for, for your father in the so family business? I took over about six years ago. Why would you take over the family business? Because you were doing something else before that, weren't you? I was a project manager for okay. a large hospital in Orange County. Now that sounds like it was a safe, secure, steady job. Why on earth would you leave something like that and take over the family business? Because it's a family business. <laughs> okay, you're going to have to tell me more, yeah. please. It was a combination of personal mm -hmm. and also uh, like personal reasons and also having able to grow the business for my family. Mm. Why is that important? because the business was um, at a point where it was stagnant mm. and it, it really needed more. I wanted to involve my brother and my sister and uh, really have the business uh, be a possible future. And what has that future become? Well, um, so far since, since I took over, we've uh, tripled our revenue. Tripled? Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And that's just been the last six years? In the last six years, yeah. How has that affected you and your family? Well, it's, it's been a, a, a rough transition, okay. right? Because when uh, my dad was working with the franchise, they had a completely different business model. Mm. So it was almost like starting a new business. Okay. The advantage of starting a new business as my dad had built it 
was that he we had the the knowledge of cleaning a building and doing a really good job in the facility right but we were missing structure we didn't do so well in accounting in other areas so it was almost like having to build all of the structure from scratch what kinds of businesses do you serve we serve general office buildings, so that would be class A buildings and class B buildings, so law offices, mm. architects' offices, and general business services. So all services that work in an office. And do you do any kinds of other, like manufacturing or anything else like, along those yes. lines? Yes, we also serve manufacturing facilities, okay. distribution, warehouse centers, okay. private schools. Right, right outpatient medical facilities. So you guys do a whole variety of different things. Yes, there's <laughs> a lot of stuff that we don't do as well. What are some of those things? We don't do daycares, okay. public schools, hair salons, restaurants. And why don't you do those kinds of businesses? We looked at, so when we did an assessment of which clients mm -hmm. we are really good at servicing, ah. and we focus on those clients. Do you need to have any kind of special bonding and insurance, or what are some of the legal things that you guys have to deal with? For a cleaning company, you should definitely be insured. Okay. So liability insurance, mm -hmm. a janitorial bond. Right. Workers' comp is very important. Right. And you also need to be registered mm. with the... Department of Labor okay. to operate a janitorial company. When you're working in manufacturing and you're working in some of these other facilities, do you have to have any kind of legal agreements that you have to sign in order to do the cleaning for those kind of businesses? It really depends on the client. Okay. So some clients might require you to do either additional safety training mm -hmm. or specific training to their facility. Okay. Or um, there's clients that might have uh, trade secret secrets and confidential information. So in that case, a client would require us and our employees to sign NDAs, confidentiality agreements, or so on. When you have this kind of variety, do you choose different employees to work with different kinds of businesses and during times of the day? Yes, definitely. How does that work? So depending on the type of facility, right, like if we are having a facility that we clean during the day, mm -hmm. a person that's going to be interacting with people, right? interpersonal skills would be important. Sure, sure. When we have a facility that we clean at night and no one's there, it's important the person can work independently. How often do you do the cleanings of these facilities? Usually is daily. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our facilities are monthly, Monday through Friday. Okay. However, we do have some facilities that are seven days a week. I'm guessing you have multiple teams to do that? Yes, definitely. And what kinds of cleaning do they do? Depending on the facility, so a general office building, right, we're going to be doing vacuuming, dusting, mm -hmm. mopping, high dusting, low dusting, so general cleaning. Okay. A manufacturing facility might require more. Okay. Floor scrubbing, drip and sealing. Uh, we also do carpet cleaning, power washing, window cleaning. So it depends on the type of facility that we clean. What kinds of surfaces do you guys clean? Um, so each facility will be very different, right? So mm -hmm. if we have a class A facility, they're gonna have materials, are high-end materials. Mm. They're gonna have marble. Mm. They're gonna have tile. Right. They're gonna have a lot of glass, natural wood. Right. Versus a manufacturing facility, 
they're gonna have more cubicles, carpets, they're gonna have more tile floor or polished concrete. So go into detail a little bit for us about the kinds of business and commercial cleaning, because you don't do residential anymore. We do very little residential. Okay, and why did you choose to do commercial instead? The residential business and the commercial build business is they're very different mm. when it comes to janitorial. How so? One of them you're selling to a consumer mm -hmm. right. and then the other one you're selling to a business. Right. So everything from the type of cleaning to the interactions with the client ah. is very, very different. Right. We felt that commercial was uh, something that could be more scalable. Not to say that a residential company cannot also be scalable because it's a really good business as well. Right. It was a better fit for us. So with scalability comes sustainability. Correct. If visioneers want to learn more about Juniper Cleaning, how do they reach you? Our website is junipercleaning.com. We're also in LinkedIn. Phone number is 949-440-1195. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about growth and sustainability and how you make your parents' business your own. And if you like Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify, and we'll be right back. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Clarou Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clarou Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClarouTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 today. I'm here with Jasmine Zhao, the CEO of Juniper Cleaning, and our visionary question comes from Karen who asks, I'm taking over the family business where my parents did everything themselves. What did you do to figure out what you can still do yourself and what you should hire someone else to do? I think it's important to look at what your strengths are. Okay. Utilize the resources that are available. Such as? So like the Small Business Administration has a lot of resources. Uh, SCORE, which is a national nonprofit, has a lot of resources. They have coaches that are free. How did you find out about them? Um, so I found out about them during COVID. Uh, so when we started looking at the PPP loans and the different resources available. How has that affected your growth as a business owner? Over the last two years, I've been able to add a lot more structure, a lot more process mm. to our business right. and with the help of experts. One of the things you had mentioned in the previous segment a little bit is the transition of the business from when your dad owned the business to suckering in your children or his children into the business. And describe for us about that process. Um, it was a very long process. We were very lucky mm, because uh, our franchise uh, was uh, going to expire. Mm. When I took over, we, we were still under contract with the franchise. Mm -hmm. And during that time, one of the things that I looked at is what can we do to mm. start getting our own business without the franchise? Like what, what do we need? Mm. Do we need a website? Do we need 
what processes do we, do we need to put in place? And so we started putting all of those processes together and the timing was perfect because by the time that our franchise was due for renewal, mm -hmm. we had been working on the last five years and preparing ourselves or be building our structure to uh, be able to function without the franchise. How did you find those new contracts? The majority of our contracts were through referrals. Mm. Referrals from current clients or, yeah, actually. All of <laughs> it was mostly referrals. It was like, yes, actually, it was all, it was all referrals right. from other clients, either residential clients or some of our commercial clients. Right. As part of our, my work with a business mentor, SCORE business mentor, we looked at marketing and we looked at um, sales and building a sales process and investing into our marketing efforts. Leaving a franchise can be scary. How did that transition make you feel going into, essentially like you mentioned in the last segment, it's like starting a new business all over again. I think um, for my father and I had very different perspectives. Okay. He started with the franchise, that's all he, he knew. Mm. So I think for him it was a much more difficult transition right and for me since since i took over the business i i knew that i did not that i wanted to uh eventually you know have our own business not mm. dependent on the franchise what did you realize when you started taking over the business yeah that 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 surprised you the most I realized that it wasn't as easy as I thought. Okay, how so? I worked at a hospital before, so right. a, a large corporate environment, you have access to all of these resources, risk management, accounting departments, payroll departments, right. and everything else you may need. Right. So as you're managing your department, you're accessing these resources. And when and, you're the small business owner. And when you're a small business, suddenly you're all of those departments <laughs> yourself. Sure. Right, right. The learning curve was longer than I thought. Right. And just the, the effort and, and skill set was more than I thought. I, I figured that if I was able to do all of these projects at the hospital, the running this small business was going to be, I could do it in my sleep. <laughs> but <laughs> that, was, that wasn't the case. That huh? was far from the truth. How'd that make you feel? Uh, it humbled me quite a bit. Really? How so? I realized that I needed to um, I needed to make an effort to learn to um, to be flexible to access uh, to read a lot more to access more resources to listen to a lot more podcasts right. and videos and try to uh, bring my skill set to a place where I can um, not only manage the business but grow it and grow you exactly. When we come back, we're going to delve deeper into one of the topics we just talked about, which is getting more leads and contacts for your business if you don't have somebody like a franchise to help you with that process. When we come, right back. 
The reason we're talking with Jasmine Zell, the CEO of Juniper Cleaning, is because of the financial support from visioners just like you on our Patreon page. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash small business celebration where you'll get extra con content, extra information, and see some of the behind the scenes stuff of small business celebration. And with your financial support, we can help other small businesses make big breakthroughs. I'm here with Jasmine Zhao, the CEO of Juniper Cleaning, and our visionary question comes from Linda who asks, in a franchise model, the franchisor brings in your leads. When you're not in a franchise, what are you doing to bring in the leads that's sustainable? We started getting uh, new leads just from referrals. Okay. So that's always a good place to start. Right. Then depending on your particular business, I think it's important to get to know who your customer is, who your client mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. What is your client persona? Where do they shop? Right. What do they do? And then from there you could do, you can target your client. Ah. Either through uh, social media marketing, your website, call calling. Right. And, but it, it really depends on who your client is. Did you discover who your client is by the clients that you had before that you wanted to work with? Absolutely, yeah. We looked at what our current client profile is. Okay. We looked at which clients we were the most successful at serving. Ah, there it is. And from there, we focused on who that client is. And how did you tailor your marketing for that particular kind of client? We're constantly updating our marketing. Mm. We had several meetings of just understanding what are they interested on. Mm. I interviewed uh, previous clients, right. talked to them about how they, what their process is for shopping mm. for a cleaning company. That's what, smart. We just redid our website, show them our website, ask them what they thought to give us feedback. You'll be surprised how many clients are more than happy to assist you in that process. You know, that the way that van is, I don't like the picture of that van. <laughs> Something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, they give you great feedback and it's from their perspective, uh, right? Because when we were doing our website, one of the things that our website developer, right. one of the things that stuck out, she, I told her, I really like our website, our old website, and she right. said, it doesn't matter if you like it. <laughs> you're right. The you're right. Has sure. To like it. That really stuck out because we have to be able to understand what the client wants and needs from their perspective. When you're not here at the office, what do you like to do for fun? I love spending time with my family. Uh-huh. Movies, uh, sometimes just relaxing at home. And uh, you have a new member of the family coming. Yes. Have you picked a name yet? No names yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you and your husband have a, a special criteria. What, what's that criteria for, for the name? We're looking for a name that starts with a J. Why J? Because my husband is John and I'm Jasmine. Uh -huh, so you want to keep the initials the same, huh? Yes. Well, and uh, for Vision Your Nation, until uh, two months from the airing of this, if you've got a suggestion, put it in the comments, and <laughs> Jasmine will go ahead. Because <laughs> you're having a hard time finding a, a J name. Yes. So anyway, go ahead and, and let us know, and uh, maybe, who knows, maybe your name, your choice will come up. Definitely. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things I like to ask a lot of successful business owners is what book 
do you like to gift? And what's your favorite one to gift to friends? The sort of art of not giving a fuck. <laughs> okay, and why that one? It's a really good book. It's funny, uh -huh. but it also has a lot of good um, good insight. It's an enjoyable book, book to read. Okay. It's, it's funny, but also a lot of the stuff that he talks about makes a lot of sense. Like what? Um, he talks about like our ego mm -hmm. and uh, letting go of that. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting book. And if you're not giving a book to, to friends, what book do you like to recommend? The E-Myth. Really? And why is that one? Because that one's come up numerous times on the show. Why, why is that one important for you? I love that book. I think that he describes perfectly how a business should be managed. Mm in terms of if you have a good structure, good processes in place, mm -hmm. then things flow. Mm. And otherwise, if you don't have structures, you don't have process, right. you're constantly putting out fires. So I, I, it's a great book. What makes you wake up every morning and open your business? Looking towards the future. So, so? even when even when things are not going well, there's, you have to have the vision of what you want to achieve mm -hmm. and stay focused on that vision, mm -hmm. whatever that may be. So for me, it's growing a business for my family. Okay. What does the future of Juniper Cleaning look like? Bright. How so? So we want to grow the business, mm -hmm. not only for ourselves, mm -hmm. but for our employees. We want to be a good place for employers, for our employees to, to work. Uh, a nice environment, uh, somewhere where they're treated with respect. And um, I feel like that's, that should be the purpose of every business. Why? Because, well, at least for us, because we're a service business, right? Mm -hmm. uh, different than a product business, but our employees are what makes the business. Without our employees, we wouldn't have a business. Jasmine, this has been a privilege. Thank you for joining us here on Small Business Celebration. Thank you. And if visioneers want to get in touch with you, how yes. do they do that? Our website is junipercleaning.com. Okay. Our phone number is 949-440-1195. Okay. My email, mm -hmm is jasmine, J-A-Z-M-I-N, at junipercleaning.com. Social media? And we are in LinkedIn. Under Juniper Cleaning. Juniper Cleaning. And I'll be right back with my final thought. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Clarou Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clarou Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClarouTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 today. Drawn in sand. It's the first full week of February here in 2023, and this is the time of year where we realize 
Yeah, that gym membership that we got, well, we haven't been there for the last three weeks. Or you know that stack of 12 books that you bought to better yourself by reading a book a month? Well, you realize you're still on book number one and the bookmarker's on chapter two. Yes, we have discovered that the human foible of life has gotten in the way of our business. Yes, it's all the obligations of our family, of our friends, our social obligations to ourselves, our family, our business. And those kinds of things have gotten in the way of all the goals that we wanted to achieve for this year. But fear not, if this is the case for you, well, you're normal. This is a typical thing that happens to all of us. But also fear not, this is also the time of year where you can flip back to the goals you set for yourself at the very beginning of the year. But this time around, you can take a look at what's really working, what's, what's actually doable. After all, it's been often oversaid that the journey of life begins with a single step. And as far as your business and goals go, well, it's another cliche. Your goals are carved in stone, but your plans are drawn in sand. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week with Jasmine Zhao, the CEO of Juniper Cleaning. And I hope you learned something that you can use to grow a strong and profitable business. And we'll see you here again with another small business making a big breakthrough. Before we begin, what happened to the leopard when he fell into the washing machine? What happened to it lost the spots? Close! Close! You're very close! He came out spotless! <laughs> you're right! You're right! You're right! I was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> Feel free to steal it anytime you want. <laughs> that's a good one. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. And our guest this week is Jasmine Zhao, the CEO. We do get employees that will tell us like just stories or funny stuff. I can't think of anything right now. We had some employees, like I had one employee, I talked to him last week and he was telling me how the facility is hunted. <laughs> the facility is haunted. <laughs> the facility is hunted. That's literally what he said. And what happened? Um, he said he was, he, this is a facility that he works in the evening. Right. And then he said, you know, he's doing his job and suddenly he's, he's he hears like people walking and like moving stuff around. And he's like, wow, someone's working really late. <laughs> so he goes and checks and he's like, nobody's there. And he's like, oh my God, this place is hunted. <laughs> um, so yeah. Did, did he, uh, is he still working there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but now he goes and he knows. He says, now that like, whenever he hears like, because apparently this is a daily occurrence. Right. That he's hearing stuff. It's just like, I just keep to myself and do my job. <laughs> Has he named the ghost? No. I, <laughs> I should ask him. I love it.
Welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small business sustainability. And our guests this week, well, they are guiding us on restoring our businesses from disaster. This is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we're celebrating small businesses for big breakthroughs. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is David Dennison, the managing partner of Alert Disaster Restoration. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Why, thank you very much for having me. And for visioneers who don't know who you are, who are you, and what is it that you do? Hi, I'm David Dennison. I'm a managing partner with Alert Disaster Restoration. Now, the reason we're here is we've been getting a lot of requests about how do you go through if there is a disaster for my business? And we've had a lot of discussions about a variety of different things that leads up to this topic. And we've got an expert here with us this week. And this is a real treat because, well, first of all, how long have you been involved with this business? So I've been involved with Alert Disaster for 12 years now. Right. Uh, prior to, I did work in Oklahoma, okay. same type of industry, and, and learned the basic fundamentals there. And now here in Bakersfield, helping people restore themselves. Were you born and raised here? Born and raised, Stockdale High School. Stockdale I'm High. a local boy. <laughs> now, one of the things I really like about this business uh -huh. is it's not a franchise. I go through my Instagram and Facebook feeds, and I get lots and lots of ads all the time from all kinds of different franchises for disaster uh, restoration. You guys are not... We're not. We take great pride in not being one, actually. Um, there's probably 22 different restoration companies here in town. Wow. And 90% of them are franchises. So being local and uh, born and bred here in Bakersfield, very important to me and my family. And so we're, we're happy to be one of the few. I did a quick walk through mm -hmm. before this interview. You have three buildings here. We do. This place is huge. <laughs> I mean, because this, this, you've been in business for how many years now? Been in business for 16 years total. 16 years uh -huh. total. And you've moved into this new location six months ago. Mm -hmm. And what prompted the move? You know, we were, we were expanded. We were actually at three locations. Right. We called it our campus. And right. so we had three separate locations within a one mile uh, block of themselves. Right. And we thought it was time to come together. So as we grew, opportunities opened up additional buildings and, and now we're all together. And it, you know, it's been a game changer. Really? Culturally, it's been wonderful to see people come together and just wave in passing or say hello in the morning when they're having coffee. It's nice to have the team back together. It's, you know, we consider ourselves a family. Right. And uh, it's a family business. You know, I work with my mother and my sisters and that's wonderful. But every team member we have here, I mean, it's family. The majority of your business comes from recovering from disasters. Mm -hmm. And give us a brief overview. What are some of the things that you guys do for business owners? Big thing with when businesses have a flood or a fire, the right. biggest thing is to come up with an action plan immediately. Mm. And so what we're looking at from a business owner perspective is, how do you get back in business quickly? Mm. So you're dealing with a multitude of factors. You're dealing with a fire department that doesn't want to give occupancy because of alarm systems, a building department that wants to shut it down for health and safety reasons. Right. So our goal is to come in and put all the pieces together to expedite getting you back in business. And one of the important aspects mm -hmm. that you have with this business is you work with the insurance companies very closely on this. Most of your business does come or through the insurance companies, does it not? It doesn't, actually. So at one point, we did get a lot of uh, business through insurance companies. Uh, now we find ourselves working more directly with owners. 
Um, but insurance companies fund these projects. Mm. So the marrying of our services, the insurance and the alert disaster services is very important. Mm. Uh, what I mean by that is we have to all work together. And I, I think that's the key when we experience or someone experiences a disaster and they need our help. Right. We help put the pieces together to move, the, move things forward. Just a negotiation that'll take place with an insurance company. You know, they offer X amount, but they forgot to put the flooring in the estimate. Right. I imagine the people <laughs> want flooring again. So, sure, you know, right. it's, it's little things like that people don't think about. All right. they, all they, they're overwhelmed. They're right. going through the toughest time in their life. Right. And they actually say statistically, going through a flood or a fire right. is right beneath losing a family member. Really? It devastates people's lives. It's, it's complete turmoil because you lose all control of everything. So part of our job is to help people gain control again. And part of that journey takes us from when the incident first happens uh -huh. or when somebody breaks the plate glass window in your business and it needs to get boarded up and you're moving in, uh -huh. moving forward. So you're first going through that particular part of the process, which is the, the, the biggest shock yeah. to the whole system. Then the insurance gets involved. And then you're going through and getting all of this put back together again. What is some of that process like for those of us that don't know? You know, the, the first thing is for us to stabilize the environment. Ah. Last week we had a flood and this lady was 90 years old mm -hmm. in complete panic. Her right. whole house flooded. Right. And we walked in and she didn't know where to start. Mm. And our project manager said, okay, well, let's get the water off the ground. Just getting the water off the ground, off the ground made it a little bit more calm and peaceful for her. Then we said, okay, now we've got wet walls here, they need to get dry. Right. We set our drying equipment. So much of stabilizing that environment is helping them through, through understanding what we're doing. Mm. Once it was dry, it's like, okay, we've got flooring to repair, we've got drywall that needs to repair. But just that stabilization brought her out of the shock and out of, out of uh, the crazy turmoil right. and allowed her to think. And that's, that's our goal is let's get you to a place where you can think again. So if it's a board up that needs to happen because they broke into a building, right. we're there, let's board it up and let's not let you worry about this evening, more homeless people breaking into the building or who, whoever right. you know, that happened from. Um, same with the flood, just stabilizing. In the next segment, we're going to be talking about the chicken and the egg syndrome. Do you try to come up with a product or service first and then sell it? Or do you sell something and then figure out how to make the product or service after that? But before we do that, if visionaries want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? So you can reach us at our office uh, over off Patton Way in Rosedale, 3300 Patton. Or just go to our website, alertdisaster.com. And we're also active on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We're readily available to respond to any disaster you might need help with. And you do know how to answer the phone. We do. That's what we tell people. <laughs> <laughs> and if you enjoy Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify. And we'll talk more about the chicken and the egg syndrome when we come right back. The winter season is rapidly approaching. But are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Clarou Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clarou Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClarouTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. 
Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 today. I'm here with David Dennison, the managing partner of Alert Disaster Restoration, and our visitor question comes from Manish, who asks, we're rolling out a new service, but we have limited funds to start it. Which have you started with, marketing or sales, and why? And why? It's a tough question. You know, I, I think about our beginning years. There was three of us. Right. Um, so when I came back from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and partnered with Deborah Watkins, my mother, right. like I said, it's a family-owned business. Right. Uh, there was three of us. Hmm. And uh, marketing our sales, I, I look at us. We were the only ones. And, you know, every business owner, I think, is a salesperson. Right. And that's promoting your product and believing in your product that is better than anyone else. Right. And so I would, to answer your question, marketing our sales, I think it's, a, it's almost a marrying of the two, but it comes down to the individual believing in, in their product. When you were in those early stages with the business, did you go and you ask the, the customers, your customers, what was that they needed first, or ask your prospects what they needed first, and then built the services around that? Or did you sit there and go, you know, this would be really a really great service to have. Now I want to go ahead and, and, and promote it. So let me tell you, I'm going to scoop back here. So I, I graduated from college around 2007. Okay. 2007, I had an opportunity to go follow my dream, international business. Okay. So I went to work for a company called Link America, and we did brokering freight over uh, the sea and yep. over the road. Okay. Great job. First job out of college, I was going to live my dream. They right. stuck me in a cubicle, and I could not stand it. <laughs> okay. Couldn't stand it. Sure. The economy had just tanked. Right. And I basically said, hey, you got to move me to another division, something I'm going to enjoy more. Right. And I love people. Okay. And so they said, I'm sorry. We just laid off 100 people. And I said, well, you can't move me then. I said, no, we can't. And so I went in. I said, well, here's my resignation. I gave my resignation. I said, I'll see you later. Right. I'm not going to hate my life. Right. And I went on a, went on a journey, went searching. Um, for me, it was searching the need first. Um, ah. So I researched many industries, and I found a need that was always going to be there. Right. Disasters happen. Sure. And so I found a company, a large firm in Oklahoma, right. that I could learn disasters. Sure. And so for me, it was finding the need first. Um, I think in business, you can create needs right. or, you, you know, many needs are just there. Right. And people need help with them. Um, I guess Elon Musk, he created a need. Sure. You know, he said, hey, we're missing this in America and the world. Let's let's create the uh, the electric vehicle and make it mainstream. Right. But for me, it was simple. You know, floods happen, fires happen, people need help. And, uh, you know, we're a Christian organization, so it falls in line with what we value and what we believe, and that's, that's being a help in people's lives. So when people are going through horrible times, I, we step in and naturally we're good at what we do. What was the very first thing you sold? The very with? first thing? Yeah. As a human being? As a human being, oh, the very first goodness. thing. Uh, you know, when you were, what, six years old? <laughs> six years old. <laughs> oh, man. Probably sold sold the idea that I got the cookie first. <laughs> Forget those other siblings. Right, Just right, right. Focus on me. Give me that cookie first. <laughs> and, uh, but for monetary gain, what was the first thing you sold? You know, I, I was always entrepreneurial growing up, okay. and uh, I did car washes okay. all growing up. You know, right. I I had a summer off, and I I went door to door and door, did car washes, um, and then I actually started a subscription business. I guess really? that's, that's what you'd call it nowadays. Where, right. You know, for 10 bucks a month, I'd wheel your trash out to the curb 
And so I had many clients doing that in the neighborhood. So, you know, those were my younger years. Sure. I was like nine years old, right. 10 years old. But it was fun. Right. It's fun, fun to provide a service and, and get money in return. And I, I could find plenty of things to do with it. Ah. Oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nature, it's of being a business owner. <laughs> <laughs> so after you were nine years old uh -huh. and, and wheeling people's trash out for them for a subscription, yeah. brilliant, by the way, much easier than mowing lawns, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. What was the first thing that you sold here at Alert that was a, a, your first big major sale? About nine years ago, yeah. got an opportunity, um, a call. The Marriott downtown called us okay. and said, we just had 56 rooms flooded and our lobby flooded. Oh, no. And so were we in the place to handle that side of the loss? Not necessarily. Right. But I had the experience uh, coming back from Oklahoma. Um, so we stepped in and we got them dried down, um, all the rooms dry, and got all the rooms back in business in three weeks. Wow. So it was a big accomplishment for us. Right. And it was uh, probably one of the first opportunities I saw, like, hey, there's enough disasters here to be dangerous. So right. Very exciting. Great people there at the downtown Marriott. And I appreciate them giving a local company the business. So it was a fun, fun experience. And it was all hands on deck. Right. We literally set up three shifts, uh -huh. three eight hours of shifts, and worked all the way through. Wow. 24-7. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. I was very tired at the end of that. Sure. As was sure. the rest of the team. <laughs> sure. But we did get it accomplished. So that was fun. How did that change alert? You know, I think it showed the team uh, that working together, we can, we can do anything. Mm. Uh, there's a motto that we use here. Right. And it's together we can. Mm. And it's uh, something that we've been saying for a little while. Right. Um, lately, our content division, um, one of our divisions has been really preaching it. And it's pretty amazing what they've done over the last two years. Right. But it helped the team understand, as a team, we can do anything. Right. Um, getting the team cohesive is another aspect. But, <laughs> sure, um, right, right, right. At this point, I feel confident that anything we can accomplish here at Alert, together we can. Tell me about Luke. Luke. Luke is a good friend of mine. Okay. Um, and I think I shared this a little while ago with you. Um, mm -hmm. Luke was my best friend mm. and uh, very close. Uh, we, went, we actually met in college, yeah. went to college together and, and stayed in touch um, up until he passed. Mm. Um, so he was out lobster diving one evening mm -hmm. and uh, had a drowning accident mm. and passed away. Mm. And uh, we probably talked every day for, for an hour a day. Uh, one of the most encouraging guys mm. I know. So when I, when I had uh, joined the company here, partnered with Deborah Watkins, our founder, mm -hmm. um, he was, he was on the phone every day with me, probably an hour a day, just encouraging me. I'd be driving to Delano or driving to Ridgecrest or uh, driving downtown, and I'd get a call from Luke. Hey, how you doing, bud? Life is good. Life is good. You getting it done out there? Absolutely. Um, but Luke passed in a shallow water drowning accident, mm. and uh, that kind of changed my reality to an extent. You know, you go through things like that, and you really, it recalibrates what's important in life. How so? And uh, how so? You know, people, I think people are the most important thing. And I had no regrets. It's not that I uh, didn't spend enough time with Luke or talk to Luke enough, but um, that great country Western song, Live Like You Were Dying, right. really brings that to the forefront of your perspective. What does that mean? Live like you were dying. And so ever since that moment, um, it's been about, oh, it's been eight years, um, every morning waking up with a purpose. And, you know, for all of us, our purpose is different. But I think to every morning wake up and be very 
uh, intentional with our purposes is a big thing. Uh, for me, what we're doing here is more than just building a business and making money. It's, it's helping people's lives. And it's those outside of our company, our customers, our partners, and it's also our, our team members. Um, but that incident, it changed me. It definitely changed me. Um, love the guy, always will. But uh, I encourage each one of us, I mean, truly, listen to that song. Go home, listen to the song, and uh, slow it down, think about it, and ride a bull named Blue Manchu. <laughs> it's a great song. It really, it, it exemplifies uh, what living like you were dying means. And we'll be right back. The reason we're talking with David Dennison here at Alert Disaster Restoration is because of the financial support that comes from visioneers just like you through our Patreon page. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash small business celebration and get bonus content, bonus information, and hopefully learn something that you can use to grow a strong and profitable business even further than the regular episodes here on YouTube. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash small business celebration and help us feature small businesses making big breakthroughs. I'm here with David Dennison, the managing partner of Alert Disaster Restoration, and our visionary question comes from Steve who asks, what are you doing to lessen the sticker shock to your existing clients over your costs going up due to inflation? Due to inflation, that's been a big problem. Right? The last couple of years has been a huge problem. So. Um, we are in an insurance-funded uh, industry, so right. they're very cognizant and aware of that, which is, which is good. But communicate, communicate, communicate. Mm. Um, all along the way, we're pausing and stopping and communicating. So, uh, in the height of COVID, we were dealing with lumber prices that, you know, it was six dollars for a piece of uh, two by six, and then right. it jumped to twelve dollars, and then it jumped to. Sixteen dollars, right? And it could happen day to day difference, right? Uh, so every step of the way, we were pausing, communicating that, and getting additional funds to make up for that, um, which was a blessing. We were able to do that. I, I heard many builders through that time that <laughs> sure, right, said right. Uh, we're not going to write contracts anymore that go longer than fifteen days. <laughs> but um, you know, we we all understand what what and uh, what we experienced. We all learned from. I think, right? And right. now it's such a fluid, mobile environment. Uh, we're all moving much quicker if you survive through it. So right. we're, we're thankful still to be here. Speaking of wood, just out of curiosity, how many sheets of plywood do you guys, or particle board or CDX, do, do you guys go through every year? Oh, let me think about that. About 5,200 sheets of plywood a year. 5,200 sheets. 5,200 sheets, yeah. And, and, and roughly, how much is a sheet of plywood going for, for uh, you know, at the time of this recording, roughly? $45 a sheet? <laughs> 45, now I'm not good at math. <laughs> $45 a sheet times 5,200 sheets. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and how, many, how many miles or gallons does, does your fleet go through every year? Fuel? Yeah. <laughs> Don't remind me. That's <laughs> why sure. we're thinking about switching over to some solar vehicles right, right now. Sure, so. sure. Absolutely. No, we've got uh, in the fleet, we've got 22 vehicles. Right. And uh, they gas up every three days. Right. So whatever that computes to, I don't know specifics on that, but wow. um, our vehicles are anywhere from a uh, small truck right. to uh, giant box trucks, 
trailers, GMC 2500s, so it's all across the board. Tens so, of thousands of dollars. Lots and lots and lots, so. <laughs> the, the expense side of things, I, I don't like that. <laughs> you like selling things. I like selling things. <laughs> I'm that guy, I'm your typical entrepreneur. I'll sell you something. <laughs> we, we, we like the asset call, not the liability call. Exactly. Thank you very much. It's so true. <laughs> you know, and when you're not here, what do you like to do for fun? You know, I, I, uh, I travel. Okay. I travel often. Uh, last year I went to Canada. Okay. Which, if anyone's ever been to Quebec City, right. uh, you know how wonderful that is. Sure. It's, and I highly recommend it if you've not been. Um, and then uh, I like to fish. Right. So I do like to fish. So I've been a couple times uh, out to Alaska. Okay. Which is, if you ever go on a great fishing trip, I recommend Alaska. Right. The only problem is you'll never want to go fishing <laughs> in, uh, in the river again. Right. Because you actually catch fish. The problem I always have is I go fishing. Right. And I don't catch. I usually fish. Right. So once I discover that little gem, oh, that's, that's where I try to go. So the point <laughs> of going fishing is to catch the fish. That's what I'm told. And you know, I was disappointed for about 28 years of my life. <laughs> Finally figured it out. <laughs> and all this time, I thought fishing was an excuse to go out someplace where your cell phone doesn't work. Oh, yeah. That's a wonderful thing, too. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. When you've traveled or when you've fished, mm -hmm. what have you learned from doing those things that you apply to the business? You know, I think a lot of it's perspective. Okay. And uh, I think the more you see in life, the more you realize that uh, where we're at is just a culmination of people. Right. You know, the scenes are different all around the world, mm -hmm. different cities, different countries, but it all boils down to the people. And so, as I get older and I, I, uh, I see more and more of life, I realize it's, it's just about the people. And that's been, that's been the benefit I've received from traveling. What are you reading right now? Right now at this moment? Yeah. Uh, I'm actually reading a book called The Alchemist. Really? And it's a wonderful book. It's been around for many years. But, but one I just finished, and I highly recommend it. I just uh, got back from a conference in San Diego mm -hmm. for our industry. And uh, I recommend it to several business owners. It's HBR, Harvard Business Review's uh, family business book. And it's all about family businesses, okay. how to set them up, how to communicate amongst family members, how to communicate amongst non-family members, right. in-laws. Um, and it's, it's a great guide on family business. So I know you have a lot of viewers that are uh, visionaries, right. that are family businesses, right. and I highly recommend it. Um, I'd say of the 35 companies there, about 25 of them said I'm getting my copy tomorrow. So it's, it's a good one. You also like biographies. I do. What's one of the ones that you would gift to somebody else? You know, of all the biographies I've read, I've got a lot out of every one. Right. Um, I think it's a great way to get to know someone that's um, you would never get to know. Right. The number one biography that I really enjoyed, um, Andre Agassi. Okay, the tennis player? The tennis player. Right. He wrote one with a ghostwriter, okay. and it's called Open. Okay. And it's about his life and his journey. And uh, it's, it was an amazing biography and, and gives you perspective. Mm. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. Perseverance, sticking to your core values, um, all of those basic fundamentals right. that I think we've gotten lost. Mm. Um, we've, we've lost a lot of that in our society. You know, people are so focused on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, being out in front of people and right. having lots of friends. and. I think 
that book uh, is an exemplary of, of fundamentals and values and how important those are. Um, but I highly recommend it. It's a, it's, a, it's a pleasurable read, and it's actually the same author that uh, the ghostwriter, same gentleman who wrote Open by, uh, for Andre Agassi, actually just wrote Spare for Prince Harry. Wow. So it's a, it's a great, well-written book. What makes you wake up every morning and open the business? You know, every morning, and that's changed through the years. I would say the last five years, um, every morning is an opportunity to impact people's lives. Mm. So. so I think as a young man or as a young person, um, we're so driven to um, help our own lives. Mm -hmm. I think as we get older, we realize the importance of uh, helping other people's lives and also building the confidence to do so. Right. And at this point in my life, um, that's really my focus. Um, I feel blessed to be in a company that has over 30 people that I can add to their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and in a leadership position that I'm in, I get to do, do that every day. So to answer your question, uh, reminding myself every morning that I have a responsibility uh, to not myself, but to our entire team, to our clients. And um, I have the ability um, to impact those around me in such a positive way. I, I think so often we focus as a society on uh, the negative stuff. And uh, it's funny, as I get older and older, older, I might read a headline in the news, right. but I don't open the articles anymore. Right. I'm knowledgeable of what's going on, but I don't need to know all the negative details. And so I really find myself pushing towards a positivity. And uh, here in this business, that's what I get to do with clients. They go through an extremely rough time in their business, having a flood or fire, or in their home and I get to point them towards the future. I think so often we, we end up in these, these uh, times in life that are really tough, and we just need someone to basically say, hey, there's a bright future there. There's a hope there, and let's focus on that hope. Let's not focus and dwell on the now, because we know if we keep walking on the journey, life's gonna be better than it was yesterday. David, this has been a real privilege. Thank you for joining us here on Small Business Celebration. I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. And if visionaries want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? They can give me a call, 661-396-7908, or you can email me directly at dennison at alertdisaster.com. Website? Alertdisaster.com. Social media? Yes, we have it. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll be right back with my final thought. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Clareau Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clareau Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClareauTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 today. At somebody else's expense. 
couple weeks ago, my wife and I were Ron Saylor's Celebrities of Magic, and we ran into a couple of Visioneer fans of Small Business Celebration and started having a little chit-chat conversation. And while we were talking, one of the Visioneers, he put on a big grin and smile on his face, and he asked, Michael, have you seen the new meme I created and posted online? Well, I admitted I hadn't looked at my social media yet, and his spouse put on a wry grin, and she leaned in, and she said, you know, Michael, I don't look at his posts either. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw the look on his face, which was a couple steps beyond irritation. Later, when my wife and I were driving home after the show, I got to thinking, how many times have I done that? How many times have I made a quip or a joke at somebody else's expense, knowing full well that, like in this gentleman's case, his only outlet of creativity on a regular basis is to be able to create a meme, a joke, something funny, and post it online. And she trounced all over that. How many times have I done that? How many times have I made a quip or a joke at somebody else's expense? I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week here on Small Business Celebration, and I hope you join us here again next week as we celebrate another small business making a big breakthrough. By the way, while I'm thinking about it, uh -huh. why didn't the burglar take a shower? No idea. So that way he can make a clean getaway. <laughs> Sorry, like we, like, we like our like dad it. jokes. You're, li you're, you're listening to me up. <laughs> I understand, I understand. <laughs> Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest is... Welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small business sustainability. And our guest this week, well, he's going to help us with our businesses get the picture perfect shot. This is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we're celebrating small businesses for big breakthroughs. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Ron Viner, the owner of Abby's Photography. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you, Michael. Great to be here. And for visioners who don't know who you are, who are you and what is it that you do? I'm uh, Ron Viner, owner of Abby's Photography, uh, and we do weddings, real estate photography, photo booths, and any type of photography. If you can picture it, we can do it. If you can't, we still can. But we do specialize in weddings, real estate, and photo booths. Now, Visioners, the reason we're talking with Ron today is I've been getting 
several emails, several questions through our social media platforms about, you know, I've been in medical retirement, forced medical retirement in some cases, and I've started a business or I'm doing a business, but I'm just not really sure, can I make it work? Well, we're here talking with Ron today because you are a prime example of making it work. Absolutely. Well, first of all, what did you do before? And then you had the, the accident, and then what happened after that? Well, I was a union electrician, Michael, for about 35 years. Okay. IBW Local 11 worked from on the J. Paul Getty Museum to all sorts of thousands of jobs. And uh, I got hurt on the job and mm. forced into retirement. Mm. We bought a, a second home on one of the private water ski lakes in Arvin. Okay. And we couldn't really afford the two of them anymore. Right. And my wife said, well, I'm moving up there. I don't know about you. I'm getting my real estate license. And I ended up moving here. Right. And I, I was just going to become a ski bum. She was going <laughs> to get up a day of break and go water ski and, and live the dream. Live the dream. She was going to sell real estate, take care of me, live off our real estate investments, my pension, her pension. And she come home and she and, and I go, honey, did you list anything? Did you sell anything? And she says, it's not like the valley. Bakersfield is completely <laughs> different. You have them up to ski lakes. You have no idea. So we were at a trade show in, in Vegas mm -hmm. and uh, I saw this product for photographing homes and virtual tours. And I thought, wow, that's great. So I started the photographing homes. Mm -hmm. it, she still wasn't listing or selling anything. So I, I started doing this to stay happily married and out of her head. <laughs> that way when she came home, right. I wouldn't ask her if she'd list or sell anything. I'd be busy <laughs> doing my own stuff. And then the market took a dump in the first dump. Right. So I thought, well, I, I guess I can do weddings and started doing bridal shows and I went to my first bridal show. I had no idea. I was so far out of my league. Right. I walked in with one big giant print on a flat cart. It took me all of two minutes to set up. Now, 18 years later, we got a trailer. I've got two guys. <laughs> we got a 20 by 30 spot signs and prints 12 feet in the air it takes me two hours to set up and you've grown your business from doing just simple local stuff but you've been you've done weddings in paris you've yes. done weddings in cuba 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 you've also where other places have you done weddings at jamaica um italy right and uh, you know, of course, local stuff, San Francisco, and 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 all over. And now you've also gotten into photo booths. And why did you get into that? Because is, was it because of the wedding industry? Yes, all I wanted to do was weddings. Okay. And then people said, "Well, can you get a photo booth?" Right. Can you can you do this? Can you do video? Can you? So what happened is we started losing business because oh. people wanted a one-stop shop. Ah. So all this other stuff became a result as, as doing weddings. And yet somehow you still do straight photography. 
We do. Now, what kinds of, of that photography do you do? Well, we've done all sorts of types from kids to maternity, right? To just to just about everything. So now we'll do some portraits. Mm -hmm. Everything we do is location. Oh. We're not your studio days of people wanting a picture are really outdated. Mm. So we like doing outdoor stuff. Right. Uh, but we really specialize in, in weddings and real estate photography. Some photographers they do 50 types of photography. I don't know if they do any of them well. Right, right. So weddings, we do, you know, 20 to 30 weddings a year, sometimes more. Right. We have a, a crew. I can do multiple weddings the same day. Wow. And we have two photo booths and three of these kiosks. So we can cover multiple events. And if you have any ideas that I haven't thought of, we are open. <laughs> All ears. All <laughs> ears. Well, uh, if visionaries want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? You can reach me at ron at abbeysphotography.com, and that's A-B-B-Y-S. No apostrophe. No apostrophe. We're not politically correct. <laughs> and my direct line is 661-342-4945. Website? Website is abbeysphotography.com. Uh, social media is Abby's wedding photography. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about something that a lot of visionaries have been asking about is traveling or moving from one part of California, one part of the state to a completely different part of the state. And how does that change your business? And if you like Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify, and we'll talk more about location, location, location when we come right back. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Clarou Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clarou Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClarouTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 today. I'm here with Ron Viner, the owner of Abby's Photography, and our visitor question comes from Yuri who asks, we have moved from one part of California to another. What should we think about as we move our business with us to a different part of the state? You never know what you're getting into. <laughs> it's true, that's true. So we lived in the San Fernando Valley, uh -huh. primarily Jewish area. My wife was a uh, preschool teacher, uh -huh. and when we moved to to the private ski lake here in Arvin, right? I never left, and 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 she she come home. She was this ain't like the valley, honey. It's completely different. Sure. So it was a, a it was a different culture, right? For us. And yeah. how did you overcome that? Because you know you you mentioned that you started getting the photography to help your wife and grow the business, but. It's a culture shock, you know, coming from the San Fernando Valley to Bakersfield and Arvid. How did you overcome that? I just never fit into it. I okay. just didn't let it bother me. You can do anything you want to do mm. as long as you're doing 
willing to do the footwork. Sure. And I started going to the Bakersfield Association, and uh, from there I, I met people, went to offices, they used to have meetings, and, and I'd bring them donuts or breakfast. Sure. And, and uh, you know, it's amazing what people will do for donuts. And in the process of people do anything for donuts, is that how you built your clientele with all the different realtors and, and expanded and grew your business? You know, the, the real estate part, I just kept suiting up and showing up. Uh, I went to as many offices as I could, right. brought on brochures, flyers, and just kept showing up. And hopefully, when you keep showing up, right. when people need something, they'll think of, oh yeah, Ron, Abby's photography. And people always ask, well, why, who's Abby? Is your wife Abby? You sure. And I said, there is no Abby. <laughs> We started in the day uh -huh. of the Yellow Pages. Ah, Abby, hey, first right, sure. one. Right. So that, that was my philosophy with uh, Abby's photography. Nice. Now, one of the things about photography and <clears throat> podcasts and YouTube as well is there's this perception that it's got a relatively low bar of entry to get in. And yes, if you're hearing a dog in the background, it's because we're here at Ron's home. So yes, if you hear barking, that's what's going on. But people sit there and often think that, well, I've got an iPhone. I can take pictures. I can be a wedding photography or I can do real estate. And yet that's not the case if you want to do it for a living. Correct. And, and all, we were doing this engagement shoot up at the barn by Hart Park. Okay. And we were being courteous. We were shooting on this side of the barn and somebody else was doing maternity pictures on the other side of the barn. And my okay. wife walks around and just to see if they're done. And she sees this couple and this, I guess, photographer, because she's posing them. And I thought, wow, she's doing a really great job. She says, all right, one, two. And she pulls out her iPhone and takes a picture. Right? I'm like, oh my God. And this couple sees us come around the corner with lighting and cameras, <laughs> and the look on their face was just priceless. It was money could not buy that. And one of the other things that you also do with your brides is you give them a book, and it's not just any book. We make this gorgeous, uh, uh, our most popular is this. 11 by 14 album, if the right. bride and groom opt in for that right. option. Right. Uh, or acrylic cover, looks like glass with their picture on it. The pages are cardboard thick. Right. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a gorgeous album. It's not your Shutterfly right. album that you can make. Talk about the business side of photography a little bit. Well, it's like anything else, like any business. It's always challenging. You just can't throw in the towel. You can't give up. Right. You got to keep going. With photography, mm -hmm. I have to buy new gear every two to four years. Right. Because if I don't, it's not that there's anything the matter with the old stuff, it becomes obsolete. Right. It's kind of like your iPhone. I found that I buy a new iPhone every two years. Right. Why? It's not because I dropped it 20 times and it doesn't work anymore, because 
they're going to give me the most money for it in two years and upgrade to the next one. Mm. And, and it's just because technology, the way we're evolving, it, it is, is tremendously. Today they have this, it's called AI, right? right. Artificial intelligence, sure. And it's not going away. No. no. It's not going away. It, it used to take me probably an hour to change out a sky on a photo. Right. You can literally do it now with one click. And when we come back, we're going to talk about sobriety and the stresses on the business owner to communicate that well. When we come right back. The reason we're talking with Ron Viner today is because of the financial support that comes from visioneers just like you through our Patreon page. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash small business celebration and with your contributions you also get bonus content. You get bonus information and hopefully more information that you can use to grow a strong and profitable business. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash small business celebration, join us, link up and become part of the Vision Your Nation and support small business celebration and other small business owners who are making big breakthroughs. I'm here with Ron Viner, the owner of Abby's Photography, and our visionary question comes from Brian who asks, I've been in business for seven years and have been sober for three. I see my friends going down a dangerous path. How do you feel comfortable telling your story and what to watch out for? I have no fear. Okay. I've been sober 36 years. Congratulations. Thank you. And... Um, I started using and drinking at 10 years old. Wow. Uh, my dad died when I was 10. We moved from Ventura to the San Fernando Valley and I just wanted to fit in and be a part of. Hmm. And back then it was, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll and the Vietnam War. Right. And I, and I just missed it. And uh, I, I started uh, using and drinking at 10 and got sober at 30. And what prompted you to, to kick the habit and, and become sober? I uh, went from living in Malibu to the barrio of Van Nuys. And uh, I ended up with for, on formal probation okay. with 32 dirty tests and was going to go spend three years in the Gray Bar Hotel. Yeah. And my uh, mom helped me get, get into this place, this recovery house. And I went there for one reason. They had women there and I could wear my own clothes. <laughs> Seemed like a no-brainer. With no I, intention of becoming sober. None, none whatsoever. Right. And, and a day at a time, I learned a different way to live. Hmm. And I, I got fed this program a spoonful. Uh, my sobriety sometimes, you know, not every day is perfect. Right. Some days it's like your business. Everything just going perfect. You know, you're, it's like riding a roller coaster. You're on top of that roller coaster and then you come crashing down and your head goes off spinning and you don't know where you are. Right. And it's, you just, you just got to say to yourself, you know, tomorrow's another day. It'll be better than today. If you see a colleague, a friend of yours, who is having problems with substance abuse, can you talk to them about it? Absolutely. Does it work though? Doesn't always work. Mm. The, the odds are 
When I got sober in 1987, 3% stay sober. Mm. 3%. The odds aren't in your favor. Right. I'm, I'm one of the, the lucky ones that's on this side of the grass still. Because right. by all rights, I should be on the other side of the grass. Right. And, and I'm grateful. How do you as an individual deal with the fact that the person you're trying to communicate this to may not listen to you? Odds are they're probably not. It's, it's a crapshoot. The only thing that you can do is be there, offer to take them to a meeting, and hopefully they get it. And if they don't, when they go back, when they go out, maybe that seed's been planted. And when they hit that bottom, that they'll come back. And they don't have to live that way. You take your stress out a different way now. You go to Mammoth. I do. <laughs> and because uh, you mentioned before that uh, you did water skiing, you also like to ski on water that's frozen. Absolutely. And what prompted you to go into skiing in the first place? You know, I, I just, I, I love the mountain and I, I love skiing the top and the double diamonds and, and uh, I don't do the bumps and things like I used to do anymore. Right. I'll stay on the groomers because, you know, I'm a little bit older and... You're not yeah. doing a backwards helicopter off a of cornice no. or Dave's run anymore, huh? Yeah, you know, it's that saying in AA, no pain, no gain, but I'm, <laughs> right? not, I'm not going with that in Mammoth. <laughs> what have you learned from skiing at Mammoth that you apply to your business? you got to have fun no matter what you do in life. Okay. You can't be serious you got I, I love what I do right. when I when I do a wedding I, I just I just love the bride and groom I love photographing them right I, I you know I, it's just it's a passion I, I really love what I do when when I'm photographing a home I I, I love having the everything perfect you know and, it, and it's not always that way but I, I have the passion to try and make it that way. And, and somebody once told me, a long time ago, told me I was a great artist. Right. And then I never thought of myself as an artist. Right. It took me a long time to consider myself an artist. And they said, well, Ron, that's, that's why you're so particular. Right. And, and I'm like, oh, okay. When you see a business owner or you see a friend that's having a challenging day, week, month, year, what do you say to them? As business owners, we all have challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, we just have to reinvent ourselves. How so? Every client is not for me. Mm. I mean, there's, there's probably 5,000 weddings here in Kern County. Right. Do I even want a thousand of them? <laughs> Absolutely not. Right. So there's enough room for everybody. And if somebody just wants to go back and forth by text, they're probably not my, my client. If they want to pick up the phone and talk to me, then that's probably my client. Well, Ron, this has been a real treat and a pleasure. Thank you for joining us here on Small Business Celebration. Thank you, Michael, for having me. And if visionaries want to get in touch with you, 
How do they do that? You can reach me at 661-342-4945. My email is ron at abbeysphotography.com. And if you really want, you can go to our website at abbeysphotography.com and there's a contact us form on the website. And we'll be right back with my final thought. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Clareau Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clareau Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClareauTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 today. Changing out the tortillas. One of the traditions in our household is we like to get together every Tuesday and have Taco Tuesdays. Now that's an opportunity for us to get family and friends and our adult children to come join us once a week where we can have a really good time and socialize and stay acquainted and in touch with all the goings on with our family. And a few weeks ago my wife invited a couple friends of hers to come join us for Taco Tuesday. But they regretted to inform her that they had just started a low-carb diet and they would not be able to come join us. Now, if you're not familiar, tacos, the shells, the tortillas, are very carb-heavy. And my wife was very disappointed about this. And as we were going through the grocery store getting ready for Taco Tuesday, she was lamenting the fact that they would not be able to come and join us because of the tortillas. Well, as we were making our way through the aisles, we came upon a section that was nothing but tortillas. And right there in the center, right there in the middle, were something that caught my eye. Carb-free tortillas. Well, I rushed over, grabbed the tortillas, presented them to my wife, and said they can now come join us for Taco Tuesday. She pulled out her phone, she gave them a call, and with great delight, they came and they joined us. And it was a wonderful time. Our little party grew by about 10%, and we just had a wonderful, wonderful time. Now, as I was talking with Ron Viner here on Small Business Celebration, I got to thinking about how he was making the transition or the addition in his business from being just a wedding photographer but also incorporating real estate. He, he made that small shift, that small addition that grew his business and it got me to thinking, well what about my business? What little part of my business can I shift just a little bit, grow it by 10% all simply because I changed the tortilla. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week with Ron Viner, the owner of Abby's Photography, and I hope you join us again next week where we showcase another small business making a big breakthrough. By the way, uh, where does a fruit go when it goes on vacation? Depends on where it falls from. <laughs> true, 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 true. Well, I've been told that they go to Paris. Huh? 
Damn, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> bad dad joke. Gotta put in the bad dad joke. People love it in the credits. It's great. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Ron Vine. <laughs> Welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series in small business sustainability. And our guest this week, please come all the way from Tunisia to build a very successful online business. This is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we're celebrating small businesses for big breakthroughs. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Dia Rabi, the co-owner of Comsoap. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you for having me. For visionaries who don't know who you are, who are you, and what is it that you do? Hi everyone, I'm Dia Rabi. I am the co-founder and co-owner of Comsa, uh, which is a California-based company here in Orange County. And for visionaries, if I sound a little funny, it's because I have recently gotten over the flu and a really bad cold, and so my voice <clears throat> isn't quite up to scratch yet. But nonetheless, we're here with Dia because he and his brothers have done something that a lot of online businesses wish they could do or could have done. And we're gonna talk more about that in detail on why his online business is doing so well. But in order to understand how that happened, we need a little bit of context first. Now, we're here in Santa Ana, California. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are. And what did you and your brothers do before you started in an open concept? Uh, we are film producers. So okay. we make documentaries uh, mostly, uh, right. not restricted to only documentaries. Uh, so before opening Kamsa, that was the main activity uh, that we had. And what's the name of your production company? B Entertainment LLC is a production company here in the U.S. And is it the letter B or is it the, like the flight of the bumblebee with wings and, and stinger? It, 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 it is the fly <laughs> and there is a reason for that okay. actually. So our mom, who is herself a uh, documentarian, a uh, producer of films. Right. She uh, has this incredible energy and she's extremely resourceful and creative. Right. So we like to joke and call her B okay. because she would go from one of her children to the next and kind of cross-pollinate us <laughs> with ideas. <laughs> uh, so uh, it was an honor to call the company after her. First explain to Visionary Nation what it is that Kamsa makes and builds and sells online. So Kamsa uh, curates, creates, and connects cultural experiences. Okay. And what we mean by that is uh, my home country, Tunisia, has a very, very long history, which is extremely rich in terms of different civilizations that came and built upon each other. So as a result, the handicraft is really beautiful. Uh, not only is it beautiful, it also has a huge cultural heritage, but also it is useful. The challenge was that people uh, would be able only to get it 
if they travel to Tunisia. And for those of us that are geographically challenged, mm -hmm. where is Tunisia? Tunisia is northernmost point in Africa. Okay. It is almost the entire country. Uh, two plus of its sides on, are on the Mediterranean Sea, okay. and that is a really its identity. So it is a, uh, they call it the crossroads of different civilizations. So okay. if you really wanted to get uh, the perfect picture of East meets West, you go to Tunisia. So historically, Tunisia has been the country of the world where just about every invading army has passed through it at one point in time. Absolutely, uh, due to its strategic location, right. but not only. Also, uh, you know, it has very fertile lands. Uh, a lot of people wanted to settle that, and you'd be surprised, you know, we had the Carthaginian and Phoenician, and then we had the Romans, and then we had the Vikings, and the Arabs, and the Ottomans, uh, all the way to the French, uh, who got away just uh, 75 years ago. And now, it's, it's its own republic. Absolutely. It is its own republic, and uh, it is a republic and a free and democratic country. For visioneers that are in California, more specifically Southern California, if you've ever been to Santa Barbara, you've probably seen Tunisian tile because it's everywhere. And how did that happen? Because a lot of the identity of the architecture, especially the tile work of Santa Barbara, is Tunisian. So how did that happen? It is a funny story, yes. People across the world probably have one part of another in their homes, households, or even lives that come from Tunisia. So the ceramic making and the tile making uh, is uh, something that we take pride in, Tunisia, and uh, that comes also from the multicultural aspect. So uh, Tunisia used to have a huge uh, Jewish community that lived there, and one of these artists uh, his last name is Shemla, is the one that is, uh, his work is featured in, uh, in Santa Barbara. And the story goes, and I think it's not story goes, I think that's what happened. Right. A couple of congressmen visited Tunisia in the 60s, right. and they were uh, struck by how beautiful the uh, ceramic making, especially the tile, we called right. faience, uh, the tiles uh, that you put, would put on walls, that was very beautiful, that they were impressed. And uh, I think they were uh, California congressmen, so when they came here, right. they brought a little bit of that and people really connected with it and then a lot of work in Santa Barbara in parks in libraries and buildings use that same uh, ceramic tile. There's culturally something very significant that you're doing here at Comsa. It's the people who are making them and very briefly walk us through what the world was like before, what changed, and how you're making a difference for a lot of people back in Tunisia. This is a loaded question. So <laughs> Kamsa, we are about the people, whether it's our clients, our business partners, or our artists and makers. Um, when I was in the U.S. being schooled a little over a decade ago, um, my country, Tunisia, started what is called the Arab Spring. So people in a, a collectively but spontaneously, uh, they just rose up and demanded freedom uh, and democracy. That, was, that took the world by storm because usually you think that that's only, that applies only to the West. How can a, a country that is in North Africa, that is culturally Arab, uh, to want 
something like that to happen, right? Uh, so they were able, in a very peaceful fashion, to kick out the dictator and uh, to, to engage in the democratic process. Mm. Now, unfortunately, in that area of the world and in uh, neighboring uh, countries, whether regionally or just close culturally, right. uh, that did not sound so good. Mm. Sure, <laughs> right, 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 sure. Because if the Tunisian experiment uh, succeeded, uh, one could think that down the line in one or two generations, uh, people from those countries would demand the same and say, look at Tunisians, they're living in freedom uh, in a democratic way, they get to elect their leaders and they're doing well. We want the same. So over the years we saw that experiment, which by the way, I cannot emphasize this enough, uh, only Tunisia out of all of that Arab Spring, which included a bunch of other countries, only Tunisia has transitioned into democracy. The experiment is not final yet, it's still work in progress, right. uh, but we do elect our elected officials uh, as of now. And the key to this mm -hmm. is the opportunities that you give a very specific group of people yes. that you do that you do here. Yes, as, as we mentioned on the top uh, about my mother, uh, who is an incredible woman, uh, that also to a large extent applies to females in Tunisia. The country was founded by a female about 3,000 years ago. And uh, throughout history, despite the different uh, cultures and traditions that uh, came to be, Females have always held a very important uh, place in Tunisian uh, culture and life and society. Uh, so if we were able to succeed uh, to this point in that democratic transition, it's mostly because of females. I was schooled when I was back there by uh, women, uh, attorneys, doctors, they were all women. It was something normal to see. So when I started seeing the pushback, uh, to the democratic uh, transition in Tunisia, we figured that one good thing to do was to actually make sure that females have oppor uh, economic opportunities, are being put to work, and don't necessarily rely on the patriarchal model. Uh, and if they do succeed, chances are the household is gonna be in good hands and the children will not follow any uh, bad ways uh, or extreme ways, if you will. And it's these fine ladies Mm -hmm. who do all the artwork. Absolutely. Uh, you, we owe this to them. 100% uh, of our products are made by uh, females, uh, you know, outside of very few men. And again, this is not discrimination or anything. It is just the way it is. Uh, outside of very, very, very few men, it's mostly females that do the work, this beautiful work. They get to express their talents in an artistic fashion perpetuate the traditions that are thousands and millennia uh, old, and also make these incredible pieces that people here are enjoying. If visionaries want to learn more about you and what you're doing here at Kamsa, how do they do that? You would probably need to go to www.kamsa, that's K-A-M-S-A-H.com, or just Google Kamsa and uh, go to the About Us section and you'll find a lot about us. Social media? I'm not a social media guy, but <laughs> that's why it didn't come to mind first. I'm sure. But uh, yes, uh, so we are on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest, and uh, Google, and the handle is Kamsa, K-A-M-S-A-H. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about how do you make a successful 
online business. How do you get your presence out there and do it right the first time? And this is something that Dia and his brothers have done very, very well. And if you enjoy Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify. And we'll talk more about how you can have a successful online business by patterning what Dia and his brothers have done when we come right back. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Clareau Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clareau Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClareauTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 today. I'm here with Dia Rabi, one of the co-owners of Comsa, and our visionary question comes from Adriana who asks, our online presence is having difficulty taking off due to the fact that most of our customers want to touch and feel our products before they buy them. What do you suggest that works to grow our online presence? Well, Adriana, uh, this is literally my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason we're here. Yes, um, our product are extremely visual right. and also people don't know what they do right. so that's extremely difficult to sell something to somebody mm. if uh, they don't know what the function uh, or the purpose for that product is or if in pictures or in any kind of media it doesn't come across as it would in real life right. uh, and finally uh, I would think that uh, as a small business owner herself uh, or generally speaking People, if you don't have the pedigree, if you don't have the history, it's very hard to go online and start from scratch. If so, you already don't have name recognition, there you go. There you go. There you go. You know, there are ways to go around this, and it's going to require a lot of patience and a lot of uh, belief in what you do. Uh, I would advise starting with uh, smaller trade shows and markets that cater to the kind of same uh, target audience or target market that. Uh, they want to get involved with, they want to communicate to, hey, we actually have products that serve the purpose or solve the problem you've been experiencing. Right. You know, even if it's very niche, start with that, get exposure, and word of mouth is going to start doing its magic in time. It's not going to be from the first or the second or the third right. you know, trade show or, or little flea market. What's going to happen at some point? But you guys, you and your brothers, mm -hmm did something very important, very significant. Yes. And it really propelled you beyond the trade show and the flea market. Yes. What was that? So we opted to open retail stores. You uh, opened a retail store? Yes, when okay. everybody was running away from retail. Okay. <laughs> Why is that? Well, we figured we had exactly the same um, questions and uh, challenges uh, than a Adriana. Uh, we, we figured that we're a new brand. People don't know about us. Uh, people don't know the quality of the products. Uh, heck, some of them don't even know where Tunisia is. Right, you sure, know? sure, so, right. So how Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you sell them a product at that price point if they don't 
have any education or right. knowledge about you know what that product is so to us uh, opening a retail store uh, even though in terms of investment it was kind of hefty uh, but it was worth it to educate the market mm. to to what we do make sure that they know of our presence also trust us mm. know that we're dependable reliable uh, and uh, that we're short term solid you know right. you can trust us with your business you are a real legitimate business a real there you legitimate go company. i think legitimate would be the right uh, word you know uh, and at first people would go back and forth right like a hundred times before they would buy anything right. to make sure you know that we're still there after right, you know, right, 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 right. so we opened in uh, strategic locations you know we opened in uh, marrow's uh, Avenue, which is Melrose, right? Yeah, known for its uh, vibrant retail kind of life, uh, and then we opened also in Malibu. Why did you choose those two locations? It was to target certain clients. Uh, ah. you, you know, it was to meet to make it the shorter in terms of distance between mm. us and the client we wanted to target. But it wasn't cheap. Absolutely not. And we knew it was not going to be cheap. And we knew, you know, you, you, you have to get some, you, you, get to, you have to be able to get hit right. and not fall in right. order to move forward, you know. And the education that you learned, because you only had the store for two years. Two years. Yes. First of all, why was this strategically planned that you're only going to do this two years or does the store only last two years? No, uh, it was planned. That was in the business plan, which okay. is we, we still have here. It's probably right there. Right. We, we, we wanted to have stores only for two years. Why specifically two years? One year was too short. Hmm. Two years was right about the, the, the perfect timing. Three years would probably get us into a completely different business model. What? What? what because it sounds like what you were paying for wasn't necessarily the financial success of the store. You were buying an education. Absolutely. Absolutely. What were you trying to learn? So think of it as a, an art gallery. That's okay. literally how, how we saw it. Obviously, you make sales, which is good, and some months were better than others. But at the end of the day, you just wanted people, even if they looked you up online, to know that you are in that particular location mm -hmm. and then they could just come and visit you and see those products between their hands. You know, now looking at this or that or any of our products right. uh, on images online doesn't do it justice. Right. Now, if you look online and you see the thousand five star reviews and then you see that, you know, we had some celebrities come to our stores right. and things of that nature. And you think, okay, these guys are legit, you know, they're, they're right. solid. We can trust them with our business. Once the two years was over, mm -hmm. how did your business shift and change? So during those two years, we were not just in, uh, in retail, mm. uh, you know, sitting idle. We were touring the country, uh, you know, I drove one day from uh, Los Angeles all the way to Austin, Texas. Oh, wow. Yeah, without taking any breaks outside of gas. Wow. And as soon as I got there, it was a trade show. So I set up the whole thing and, you know, like we were making uh, contacts, expanding our clients list and then drive all the way back. So during those two years, even though we had retail stores, we were active, uh, right. trying to, as I said, expand our footprint. And that exposure mm -hmm. led you to what? So even though now we are we don't have retail stores, okay. but we have a pretty good network of retail stores that are still buying our products and uh -huh. selling them. 
Some of them came from our own retail stores, right. contacts that we made. Some of them became friends, sure, you know. Right. Uh, and uh, some of them, actually, a very, very nice uh, uh, lady. Uh, her husband <laughs> yeah. was Tunisian Jew. Okay, sure. <laughs> and uh, she heard stories about Tunisia she never visited. Right. So she was like, I have to carry these products. <laughs> In a way, it's a connection, you know? Right. And that's, remember what I said? We connect cultural experiences. That's one of the Kamsa uh, cu creates, curates, and connects cultural experiences. This is a live example. And from that, mm -hmm. you've gotten into some big box stores as well. Yes, so we are uh, in some big box stores, whether it's online, uh, sometimes, you know, we don't, since we, all of our products are handmade, so we have been growing at a pretty fast pace, but there's only so much you can make in one month. So maybe like expanding uh, in an entire uh, big box retail chain was necess not necessarily the soundest move, but we started with, you know, a few stores here and there. Right. And you can find our products, uh, you know, pretty much anywhere like Bed Bath & Beyond, for example, are some of our clients. You know, you can find us in, in, in quite a few uh, retailers. Just out of curiosity, ballpark this mm -hmm. for me. How much of your business is online? I would think definitely more than 50%. Definitely more than 50%. Depending on the time, for example, during COVID, it was... <laughs> it's 100% <laughs> online. Was, yes. Yeah, right. So it depends on, on, on the period of time. You know, people tend to shop in different ways right. in different times of the year. You know, uh, so it, summertime, online would be dominant. Uh, holiday season, actual retail, physical stores would pick up steam. When we come back in the next segment, we're going to be talking about getting the attention of said big box stores, big box retailers, when we come right back. The reason we're talking with Dia today is because of the financial support that comes from visioners just like you through our Patreon page. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash small business celebration and watch some bonus material, bonus content, and some of the games that we play with our past guests. In the meantime, you also learn bonus information, bonus content that you can use to grow a strong and profitable business. So simply go to patreon.com forward slash small business celebration where we celebrate another small business making a big breakthrough. I'm here with Dia Rabi, the co-owner of Comsa, and our visionary question comes from John who asks, in order to get your products into the big retail stores, what have you done that works to get their attention? First of all, do not compromise quality or whatever your mission statement is you have to stay true to your values because mm -hmm. uh, retailers and not just retail, any business partner uh, you know they're there for their own interest right not necessarily yours so they can carry your product ask you to make certain changes to the way you do things and then if it doesn't doesn't do well that's it and then you're you you altered the dna of your business for them then it didn't work out right so make sure that you succeed with the concept that you had in mind right do not compromise the quality customer service and then when you meet them as we said in you know for example one of our clients just happened to uh, come inside the store and they were like we love this 
and we established contact, right? right. Uh, but then when they see that you still have been doing the work even before getting with them, you know, clients are happy. Uh, your any business partner of yours is happy. You're right. ethical. Then they will probably uh, think it's easier to do business with this individual. When you're talking with the big box retailer, mm -hmm. what are the three things that you emphasize about the quality of your product to them that differentiates you from everybody else? I think our value proposition, uh, which is extremely hard to kind of uh, align, is we're good for the makers. Uh, you know, we pay them way above average, and that's not, you know, that's not even like a favor. Uh, we love doing that. Right. When they work, I'll give you an example. We used to have very, very, very high rates of defective products. Mm. So when the people who, uh, the artisans who are making our products, felt that they were part of this journey through pay raises and what have you, but not only we also have other plans for them. The defect rate, the poor quality went down so much, we're almost hitting 100% of great uh, quality products right now without wow. even, yeah, like we do very rigorous quality control process. Number two, we're good for the environment. I think in today's world, people don't just wanna buy something to buy something, you know? You're spending your own money, you don't need to be extremely wealthy or successful to have an impact, you can have an impact even with a dollar that you're spending. You know, you spend something that is not necessarily wrapped in plastic, but wrapped in something else. So we try to do that. All of our products are uh, earth-friendly, chemical-free, not to, not to hurt the people who are making them, but also not to hurt the planet. We try to go to extreme length to make sure that we're still abiding by that rule. And finally, the final customer, right? Uh, when they buy a product, it is, it is good for them, for their, uh, it serves a purpose, it solves a problem, but also they're happy that their purchase did not do something that goes against their own values. And when, when you use it, it's a conversation piece. So it's kind of win, win, win across the board. You have two master's degrees. Yes, I do. One is in production, mm -hmm. the other is in? So I have an MBA degree with concentration in entrepreneurship. <laughs> and I'm willing to bet you that everything that you learned at university, you've mm. applied flawlessly to your business. Uh, yes, to a, <laughs> to, to a certain extent. You can apply it. You, you can apply it, but... It doesn't mean that you're gonna get the results <laughs> you budgeted for. So uh, if you're asking about only applying, yes. <laughs> if you're asking about what happened after you apply it, then no. I can tell you that's something. I'll tell you a funny story, actually. One of our professors, he's a very good, uh, successful man. Uh, uh, I don't know if you can say the name, but Richard Sudek is his name. Uh, and he teaches at Chapman. He teaches at Chapman now. University. He's at University of California, Irvine. Okay. He set up pretty much the entrepreneurship for both schools, uh, the okay. uh, e-village. Uh, and the first class, he, he in concentrating in entrepreneurship uh, for my MBA, the first class he said like, well, nothing that you're going to learn here is going to serve you in real life. <laughs> 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 so I was like, that's, great, uh, that's a great way to spend my money. <laughs> sure, right. Uh, but... It was one of the best 
classes I've ever had that uh, module uh, and it really prepared us um, because you can plan or you want life God other forces whatever right. you want to believe in they may have other plans for you right you just have to be able to adapt sure you have to be able to get down and dirty and do things yourself so you know it's not because you have certain education you're the business owner that you don't do certain things even physical labor so uh, at some point we shipped product and it was supposed to come to the US at a certain point it never made it to the US uh, four or five months later it was on the other side of planet Earth oh, no. we didn't know why sure uh, you know uh, so but we needed that product. This was during the first year after uh, we closed our retail location. So oh, it was no. very important for us to establish a solid reputation even after that. Right. So what we had to do is we had to fly product, make more of it and fly it. Now we're, we're talking several metric tons of product. <laughs> that's, like, no. that's like thousands and thousands of pounds. Imagine how much it costs you, uh, you know, people your age, uh, maybe settling down you know families and things like that right. and you make the choice to take care of this baby which is your business so once we flew the product in you know we spent a good two nights now when i say sleepless nights i mean it in the literal literally sleepless. right because for over 48 hours straight uh we were packing things up and boxing and everything we didn't necessarily have the time to do the quality control uh, in oh, here. No. So we ship it to our clients we, who trust us uh, with their business. And I get that call. Oh, and it's no. like, what is happening with the product? And the product was not good. So not only did I have to pay for it to be done all over again, shipped through air cargo, and we paid for expedite shipping to our different clients, we had to recall the whole oh, thing. Oh no. And that was one of those moments where, you know, uh, you really have to have a, like a mission that is bigger than yourself to keep going because right. it was so, so, so easy to close down at that point and say, you know, like sometimes things just don't work out. What did you learn from that? Uh, you know, that I needed to, you, know, you just need to be ahead of things, hmm. right? Uh, I, there was no other way to learn that lesson. You had to go through it, you know. That's it. Um, you need to plan for these kind of things in the future. But you, as I said earlier, you have to have that ability to, to take a punch without falling. It's okay to fall down and the ref is counting right, as right, long as you true. make it back up before uh, the 10 count is over. Uh, the other thing is you learn really a lot about yourself and how tough you are uh, and your ability to uh, to kind of bend destiny, even 1%, even a fraction to your own will, right. as opposed to just accepting you know, a loss or a defeat and moving forward. And it's these kind of experiences that actually show you who you are. If visionaries want to get in touch with the idea, mm -hmm. how do they do that? You can uh, visit our website, comsa.com, and then at uh, info at comsa.com. I read all emails. So <laughs> <laughs> I answer uh, everybody. Well, Dia, this has been a real privilege. Thank you for joining us here on Small Business Celebration. Thank you for having me. This has been really good. And I'll be right back with my final thought.
The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Clareau Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clareau Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClareauTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Clareau Tire at 661-324-6069 today. And it makes all the difference in the world. Earlier when I was editing this episode, my wife came into the room and she came upon the segment where Dia was showing us the very beautiful tile work from Tunisia. And as she gazed upon the screen, her eyes got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I asked her, honey, what's wrong? And she said, my head just exploded. And I asked her, why is that? You see, my wife grew up in Santa Barbara, California, and she said, everywhere that I went that used Spanish colonialism, I thought the tile was from Spain. I, I had no idea that it was from a totally different part of the world. Now, after we got done with our conversation, as I often do, I started thinking about my business, and I also started thinking about other businesses of other fellow visioneers. And it got me to thinking, you know, we, we build our businesses and we build them with a specific type of look, a specific type of feel, the, the products and services that we offer. And yet, it's not until we make that one small change from someplace unrelated, a, a totally different part of the world, that changes everything. It makes a huge breakthrough in our business. It makes all the difference in the world. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dia Rabi, the co-owner of Comsa, and I hope you learned something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business, and we'll see you here again next week where we celebrate another small business making a big breakthrough. By the way, what do you call a ceramic artist who needs a shave? <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, that should have been in the second. Maybe we can close with that. That's actually a very good one. Oh, thank you. Well, I cheat. I, I put it in the credits. So oh, okay. everybody that's, sees that's it. a good one, Harry Potter. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. And our guest this week is Dia Rock. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small business sustainability. And our guest this week, well, it's all about eat, pet, play, poop. 
and repeat. <laughs> this is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we're celebrating small businesses for big breakthroughs. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Stephanie Buchanan, the owner of Bone to Be Wild. Yes, you heard that right, Bone, B-O-N-E, to be wild. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Hi, Michael. And for visioneers who don't know who you are, who are you, and what is it that you do? Hi, I'm Stephanie Buchanan, and I own Bone to Be Wild Dog Daycare, Boarding and Training Center in Santa Clarita, California. Now, one of the reasons we're talking with Stephanie today is because I've gotten a lot of visionary questions asking about transforming your hobby into a business and some of the things that you have to do that you don't necessarily think about. And coming from somebody who started a business based off a hobby, small business celebration, that Stephanie, we're in great company. We are. We've done the same things all together. <laughs> and for visionaries who don't know your history a little bit, what were you doing before you started this hobby? So Bone to Be Wild is my third business. Okay. My first business was in college and it was called Post Police and I would go out to the retail stores and clean out their parking lots and okay. um, in front of their stores and do their windows. Right. Um, my second business, which I did for 25 years, was I owned a marketing company in Simi Valley. Right. Um, and then I worked for somebody as a marketing director. And I realized that working for the man didn't work out for me right. very well. I just right. don't fit into that square and round whole thing. And for visioneers, if you hear barking in the background, it's because we're here on location. So yes, you're going to hear barking and yipping and yapping. And you discovered that working for somebody else in marketing wasn't for you. And why, why this? So I've been working with dogs my whole life. Right. We grew up training, breeding, and living with hunting dogs. Okay. We didn't go to Disneyland for holidays. Right. We went camping, hunting, hiking, fishing. Um, with dogs right. and trained them how to hunt. That's what we did. So I've always loved dogs. Of course, it was a passion because of working, growing up with dogs, right. whatever animal you grow up with. Um, and then throughout the years, it just continued on. Friends would ask about, oh, I want to do this, or I'm thinking of a rescue, or can you help me find and adopt a dog? And what do you know about training dogs? And how can you help me? It was friends, family, and then on free time while I was in college, I would go to the shelters and the rescues and walk dogs and hang out with dogs. That was like my downtime or my self-care time. Right. Um, so it, it was a hobby, really, just a hobby of my own downtime. Right. Um, and when I decided that working for the man after marketing and cleaning people's places just wasn't for me, right. when we bought the property, it kind of was a, well, my husband and I were discussing me not working for this company anymore. Right. And he said, what do you want to do? And I've always wanted to work with dogs. Because we're about, we're out here in Castaic, which is kind of a misnomer because... We're nowhere near Castaic. <laughs> exactly. Well, as a crow flies. As a crow flies, exactly. <laughs> and for those who don't know where Castaic is, you're closer to Magic Mountain. We are. We're... 10 minutes down the road. So you could, you and the gang of dogs could go to the Magic Mountain anytime you wanted. Anytime they let us in and run the place. <laughs> no, they don't. No, they no, don't. No. <laughs> but that's and, a great marketing uh, idea. <laughs> <laughs> what was the tipping point? 
deciding to find another job because when I retired from my marketing company, right. I thought I was ready to retire. And I really wasn't. Right. But I really didn't want to go back to work or start another marketing company because I just, I, I've burned myself out in, uh, in that passion. Right. Um, so that was kind of the turning point. I'm not done. I'm not ready to retire just yet. Do I want to go back to work for the man at some simple receptionist job? No. I can't see you as the welcome. Thank you for calling the ABC Klondike Company. How may I direct your phone? I don't see you as that. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> that was the tipping point is starting something new with someone else. Right. Or going ahead and starting this on my own, again, knowing you own your own business. You know, it, you are everything. You, right. are, you have 17 hats. Right. And when you first start out, you have to do them all because you're usually on a budget and you can't hire people to do that. Right. The decision for me was, with this hobby, can I be happy doing all of everything before I even thought I might hire employees? Right. And if I was going to have a passion and do it as a job, Right. this seemed like the thing. And it's where I learned my kind of a mantra that I have for myself, and I tell people this all the time. If you don't love what you're doing, you should rethink what you're doing. And that was my, that's what helped make the decision. I love this. I'm exhausted every day. I get mentally overwhelmed, um, but there's not a day that goes by that I don't go, I'm so grateful I'm doing this and I'm not working for someone else. The bar of entry of getting into a business similar like this is actually pretty low because it doesn't take much for somebody to wake up one day and decide, I'm going to be a dog walker. But it's something else to be able to take it to the level that you have where you've got five acres here. Mm -hmm. You've got an entire system of fencing and, and kennels here and, and to be able to offer a variety of services that are, that's more than just dog walking. Yeah. How did you get here as far as taking this hobby mm -hmm. that you start off with and taking it with the various levels of certification and going through the county and getting all the different kinds of things to make this a first-class business and facility. The first thing that I did was mm -hmm. um, I went to school. Mm. I went to Animal Behavioral College, right. got my dog certification, so I'm a certified dog trainer, mm -hmm. um, which isn't required, but it gave me one step up. Right. When I sat down to design my fence lines, I designed my fence lines based on pretty much every rescue or every shelter that through my whole life I've ever gone to mm -hmm. and seen how they do certain things and I would be like, I like that idea. That one, you not you so stole much. this ideas fair and square. I stole them all, yes. <laughs> but mine, the, the unique design of mine is allows for dogs to be rotated and dogs to be walking next to each other and dogs to be lined up and never touch each other if we don't want them to. Ah. Yeah. So you're taking into account that various owners have their dogs in various stages of growth and development. Yes, absolutely. How did you learn this? This is stuff I taught myself. Mm. I did. I, ha I didn't learn it on the fly. It was just 
all the dogs and all the places I've ever been around, especially in rescues and in shelters, mm -hmm. they're out of their minds. And then you, <laughs> okay. you pull them out of the kennel and you spend 15 minutes with them and they turn into a totally different dog. Right. So I learned, for lack of better words, I learned to speak dog. And I listened to them. I taught my employees how to listen to them and hear that. Mm -hmm. I taught myself this kind of stuff, really. And you've also gone through the trouble, and some business owners will call it trouble, uh, to become certified by the county mm -hmm. and restaurant certified and all of that. Why was this important? Because I want to make sure that someone's looking over my shoulder to make sure that I'm doing everything right. And mm. if rules change, I want to know about it. And mm. with animal care and control coming through on a regular basis, to look through my files to remind me, all the dogs have to be updated on their shots. Owners should do that anyway, but they forget. Mm. All dogs have to be licensed and boarded tele-shots, every vaccinated. Right. You should be doing that anyway, but animal care and control comes through and says, you're doing a great job. And I make sure I push myself to get that letter A every year. Mm. I'm proud of, of getting an A and no demerits ever. Congratulations. Thank you. If visioneers want to learn more about Born to be Wild, how do they do that? So they can go to my Facebook page, okay. Bone to be Wild Dogs, um, and send me a private message. And get on your waiting list. And get on my waiting list. <laughs> yeah. it's the Since I, I haven't advertised in three years, and I don't. I don't even really take customer referrals right now. We can't. I, I, we've been booked solid for three years. Well, I've been in business for six or seven, but booked solid for three years. Congratulations. Thank you. To the point that you've actually expanded your business to another state. I have. Yep. Which we're going to talk more about in the next segment. And if you enjoy Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify, and we'll talk more about what are some of the pitfalls to avoid when, when adding to your business across state lines when we come right back. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? Bakersfield's best tire store, Claro Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Claro Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Claro Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at clarotire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Claro Tire at 661-324-6069 today. We're here with Stephanie Buchanan, the owner of Bone to be Wild, and our visioner question comes from Tori who asked, an opportunity has arisen for us to expand our business out of state. What are some of the pitfalls we should look out for? So with our expansion in Texas, okay. um, some of the pitfalls that we have here, because our state in California is very rule and regulation orientated. Right. Texas is not. Right. They're all about do whatever you need to do. So when my girl opened Bone to Be Wild 2, she went to the county to get her city permit. You don't really need that. She's like, they're gonna say I don't need it. Get it anyway. Right. Because later they might and you'll have a hard time getting it. Right. Same with the state ruling. There's a permit for the state. You don't have to get it, but you should. 
They don't require insurance there. We work with dogs. If you get bit or mauled and you don't have insurance, it's a problem. Get the insurance. Right. The biggest things are the rules and regulations of each state. Mm. Depending on what color your state happens to be, the rules and regulations are much heavier in certain states and non-existent in some states. You've got to know what they require in every state and city. What surprised you about opening up a second location in Texas? Other than the, the lack of or the less regulation. This may or may not go on camera, up to you. Okay. I didn't open the second shop. Okay. It's part of the non-franchising idea that I'm trying to create okay. for women. Um, I've sent all my girls to school and paid for them to get their dog certifications. Okay. When Ev's husband got an offer he couldn't refuse in another state, they weren't going to move because I'd paid for her to go to school and be a trainer here. Right. So I came up with an idea of... All right, I tell you what, I'll help you advertise, I'll teach you how to run it, I'll teach you how to do the calendar, I'll teach you how to do billing, you can use all my forms. Mm -hmm. You can pay me a monthly amount right. and a percentage of your sales for five years. And in five years, you own Bone to Be Wild too. Wow. I've done it and I've offered it up to every girl that's ever worked here for a specific reason. Mm. I am a exceptionally go-getter woman right. and in any business, especially the businesses I chose in the past to be surrounded by men in men boardrooms and I'm being the only, only woman, right. I realized that there was a problem for women to step up to the plate. Now, if you start your life early and you suddenly are married at 25 and right. you pop out three kids and you never finished college and you never n knew how to answer phones, you never even worked in fast food because your husband took care of everything and suddenly you're single, and you have nothing to create a life. I've heard women, I have nothing. My husband left me. I had to start over and I knew nothing. I want my girls, my employees, to be able to have something. If, if it goes bad, you can go walk dogs and make money. You can train. You can start your own business. And you know how to do it. You never have to use it. But it's there if you need it. And it's sort of like a, a thing that I've pushed... It's not that I don't hire men. Men don't do this job very often. I, I've had one man come for an interview. All the rest were women, women always. So that's when it came to me. There's a reason that women are here and this is a fairly easy job. Um, they could do it on the side if they did have kids. Right. Things like that, it all played into my head. And it made sense for me to help them have something if things went bad. So that has kind of been with Ev, starting Bone to Be Wild 2. You get the name. Bone to Be Wild 2 is yours. You get the company. I will help you until it is fruitious for you. And then I'll step away and it's yours. And that's what we've been doing. And I've started a business plan to travel around the United States. And it will be called Bone to Be Wild 3 OTR on the road. And I will go to people and train them how to do this on their own property or in their own homes and or at the park and they will have their own business and I will offer up the buy-in for the name and a an amount for a while and then you own it outright um, but I want people to do this it's a if you are passionate about dogs it's the best job in the world I love my job it's 
It makes me a little tearful. I'm so grateful and so lucky to get to do this for me and other people. This didn't happen overnight. <laughs> Kicking and clawing is how it happened. Sure. <laughs> what was the tipping point? So the tipping point was that I do something else that nobody else does. Oh, what's that? I do a temp test so that your dogs can be in group play and learn dog protocols from each other in a group setting. Uh, that sounds like a dog park. No. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Well, well how, so here's how the difference. It? Yeah, exactly. The difference is we temp test the dogs one-on-one -on -one with other dogs okay. before we just throw them into groups of play. And what does temp test mean? Um, we put two dogs together okay. and we watch their body language, their sounds, their lack of sounds. Is their mouth open, closed? Is their tongue out? Are their right. ears back or forward? Are there, uh, the whites of their eyes showing? Are they not? Are they running around and doing down dogs? It's called temp testing. Mm. And we do temperament testing on all dogs before we put them in groups. Okay. And then we find good groups of dogs to teach them dog-on-dog -dog protocol. Ah. And you do this and nobody else does? No one else does except I believe the shelters do now. They started doing it, but right. yes, we're the only ones that do it in a setting at a day play center. And how did this change your business? Hmm. This is the part where you get to the referrals, right? Oh. So the way this changed my business is as customers came out to do their meet and greets, mm -hmm. they saw us do something, one, very safe, right. um, in, in a controlled environment. Mm -hmm. And then they realized the dog language that we were using on their dogs, mm -hmm. they had never noticed before. Mm. So we taught them something too. Right. And it just went crazy, the word of mouth. Mm. They do something no one else does. You've got to go out and meet them. You have to see what they do. It's amazing. But it's more than that because it wasn't just ordinary people that were saying this. No, it was... People who knew people. Ah, okay. <laughs> and, 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 and in general, what kinds of people were there? Oh, gosh. So we have and had in the past, we've had wardens and their workers bring their dogs here. We've, we have and do have police detectives, policemen in general, nurses, um, school teachers, um, assistants to the principals at some of the schools, um, a couple of car ownership owners that own are in a up upper echelon of some of the Hammer Toyota and places like that, right. um, that I'll have friends and know people that have dogs that need help. Sure. <laughs> and you got to the point where you're starting to get overwhelmed with all this. Absolutely. What happened? I had to hire, start hiring employees and <laughs> I teaching do it all them. <laughs> I couldn't do it all myself. Yeah. And I had to train them to do it. You weren't ready for success. So. Uh, I'm always ready for success. I just didn't care if it happened or not. Mm. And yet... And then it did. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so what happened and how did you handle it? Well, I had to learn to start saying no to customers, uh. which was very difficult for me. I used to have a phone in the house that would ring right. in the middle of the night, in the middle of dinner, and I would answer it. And my husband would be like, 
<laughs> Can we get some alone time? <laughs> and it was the funniest thing. What he said to me is, you know how I know they have you hooked? You always ask, what kind of dog is it? And whatever dog it is, you say, oh my God, I've always wanted to have one of those here. <laughs> yes. So I had to teach myself to stop asking that. Right. Stop answering the phones up in my office or up in my house. Right. Stop giving customers my cell phone so that, yes, they do and can ping me at 11 o'clock at night. Right. I had to learn to say no. And the girls, that's my favorite, hiring on employees and saying, we're overbooked. We can't take any more. If I'm in here, I also come from a generation where if a phone was ringing, you answered, even if it's not your office. Right. And I've done that. Um, it's just, it's a business. That's what you do. You answer the phone. Right. And the girls from across the yard will scream, don't answer <laughs> Yeah. Having the girls tell me to stop taking in more work. Having me understand I have to have some downtime and I have to set boundaries. I teach people all day long to set boundaries for their dogs and yet I had none. None. So I had to teach myself that. This was overwhelming. Overwhelming. Oh my God. How did you handle it? Practice some therapy. Okay. Again, all I had right. to talk to my therapist and be like, I can't not answer the phone. I can't say no. These are regular customers. They're going to leave. And her reminding me, they aren't going to leave. They're not going anywhere because of what you do. They understand you have to have a life too. So practicing the no and having a waiting list and telling people, I'm sorry, you're stuck on the waiting list until someone leaves and having the girls help make decisions on, do you want another dog on a Friday? When you know Thursdays to Mondays, we usually have borders. So if we take on extra day players and then we have four borders, you guys have to do more hours too. Right. I ask the girls a lot. Of, I ask a lot of them, a lot. They help a lot. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about something that has happened to Stephanie on more than one occasion. And we've gotten quite a few Visioneers have as well. There happens to be a television program that comes on or some annoying YouTube channel that comes on that happens to show a very glamorous aspect that is very similar to your business. The problem is, is that reality and what's on TV are not the same thing. And we'll talk more about that when we come right back. The reason we're talking with Stephanie Buchanan, the owner of Bone to Be Wild, is because of the financial contributions that come from visioneers just like you through our Patreon page. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash small business celebration and see all the great bonus material we have for visioneers just like you. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash small business celebration and help us celebrate another small business making a big breakthrough. I'm here with Stephanie Buchanan, the owner of Bone to be Wild, and our visionary question comes from Chris who asks, there is a popular TV show on right now whose premise is in the same industry as my business. However, we're getting customers who have much different expectations because of that show that is very different from reality. How do you cope with that? So the first thing I usually say is, 
every trainer trains different. Mm. There's no right and wrong way as long as you're taking your dog to a trainer. Right. As long as you're doing the step work to learn to help your dog succeed. Mm -hmm. um, you can watch it on TV, you can Google watch videos, you can bring your dog out to the dog park and do day play dates, you can bring your dog to a place like here. As long as you're doing it, mm. you have succeeded in that. So it doesn't bother me that there are, it's not reality that you see, but you're putting an effort into your dog. Right. So yay you. You're making that connection. Yeah. You're letting the dog know you care. That's correct. That is correct. So what do you do when you have a customer that comes in and says, well, I, I saw this guy do it on TV. Can't you do the same thing? I usually say, yes, I can do the same thing, but you can't because you're not a dog trainer. You don't speak dog. You don't speak dog, but I'm going to help you learn to speak your dog's ah, specific language. Okay. And it's different than that dog trainer and that dog trainer and that dog trainer. Mm -hmm. What I've learned is it's not just teaching the dog or training a dog to do things. Mm. You have to train the human to help them help their dog succeed. How so? If they just threw me a dog and said, here, take my dog for three weeks and I want it to sit, focus, down, stay, no jump, no bark, I can get their dog to do that. But their dog's only going to do it for me because mm. they only learned it from me. Right. So the idea is the humans have to come here with their dogs so we can teach them all the hand movements, all the gestures, the looks and the actions that they're looking for in their dog so they see it too. Ah, and fit the personality of their dog. And fit the personality of their dog because every dog is different just like every human. Did you have a mentor or somebody teach you how to, how to do this business? No, not at all. How about your first two businesses? No, I learned it all on the fly. All on the fly? All on the fly. How so? I'm a competitor. Okay. Naturally. Um, even growing up, my mom would say, you would watch everybody do stuff. Right. So before you stepped in to play the game, you already knew you were going to win. And I'm a, I compete with myself, mm -hmm. not just others. Right. So I want to know it all so that when I step in, I'm going to dominate the field. So you're a visual learner. Yes, I would be, be a visual learner, yes. How have you done that with this business? How have you gone through and you've seen something and said, okay, I can do that, if not better? I do have a funny story on okay. that if you want that. Fair fire away. Okay, so I'm not a video game player, okay. but my husband and son are, and growing up they would play all of those games together, champions and salutes and whatever the game's names are. Right. It's them playing together. Right. One of them, Mario Kart, the driving one. Right, sure. We got the little driving hand thing, right. and I watched the boys do it, and they were like, I can't beat this one, and I always had some comment, oh man, that looks so easy. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, one day, the, neither one of them get past that thing. Oh, if you think you're so good at it, you've never even played this game. Why don't you jump in and try it? Uh, and I kid you not, uh -huh. I took that thing and I was like, oh, I'm going to win. <laughs> and I'm driving. And I got to the end of it. I didn't win against the computers, but I made it all the way to the end without dying. <laughs> Because I'd watched them play it. It was like I knew the field. I already knew the things that were going to happen. I watched them play it for months. Right. So it was very funny. 
I'm that type of competitor. I will watch you do it, and then I'm gonna dominate myself. I don't care if I beat you guys. I'm, I don't know. I mean, you you <laughs> clearly beat the two of them, Sorry. Mario. <laughs> yes, but I lost to the computer. Oh. Uh, See, there's always that catch in my head. <laughs> what makes you wake up every morning and open your business? Well, I would say definitely being so passionate about it helps me focus. Mm -hmm. So don't get me wrong, there are days sometimes in a row right. where the alarm goes off and I'm like, oh, dude, no, Luna's coming today. <laughs> right? Um, or it's a slow week or it rained and we were closed and you know things come up and you're like oh my god a whole week with no money coming in right gosh in the summer sometimes it's all summer long we do hot day half days instead of full days so none of us make we make half what we normally would right that's enough to possibly shut a business down right but on those down times i'm usually planning and i have plans for other avenues within my business I've got the plan now for something else when the passion is not as exciting for me for this part. I'm giving it to CJ and CJ is going to take over this, this part of the company and I'm going to go on the road and do both Bone Be Wild, Wild 3, OTR. There's always a plan in place. I mean, anyone that owns their own business, they started it for a reason. They focused themselves out and got it started, right? Mm -hmm. Then sometimes passion dies or those slow months when you're like, man, I'm not even going to make enough food on the table this month kind of thing. On those downtimes, rather than me getting flabbergasted myself and beating myself up as a competitor, I plan other things. Mm. I go online and I go, all right, customers, guess what? We're doing dog walks this week because it's raining and we're closed and it's all muddy here. Do you want us to come over and do dog walks? I call past customers that are in my lists Hey, I know you, we don't have a spot for you on the waiting list to come in, but we can come to you and do some dog training if you're down. I try and revamp my brain to do other things when failure seems eminent. Right. It's not eminent. It's just me rethinking funner, bad ideas, good ideas. Sure. Ideas in general right. to keep me from getting really sad when we're slow and money's not coming in. Stephanie, this has been a real privilege. Thank you for joining us here on Small Business Celebration. Thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciate it. This was really fun. If visioners want to get in touch with you and learn more about Bone to Be Wild, how do they do that? Bone to Be Wild Dogs on Facebook. You can look through all of our doggy day play and right. check everyone out playing. You can get on our waiting list if you're looking for something specific. We do right now have no spots on site for anything, but we're offering in-home dog walks in-home training, and some in-home sleepovers. And visioners in Texas want to learn more about Bone to Be Wild 2. How do ah, they do that? They look up Bone to Be Wild 2 in Texas. And that's, that'll be Evelyn Silva. And I'll be right back with my final thought. The winter season is rapidly approaching, but are the tires on your car or truck ready for wet weather? 
Bakersfield's best tire store, Clarou Tire, has been serving families like yours for 80 years and installs and services the tires your family depends on when the wet weather comes. Give Clarou Tire a call at 661-324-6069 and ask them about what tire works best for you and your budget. Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 or visit them at 530 East 21st Street in Bakersfield or at ClarouTire.com today. The wet winter weather is rapidly approaching. Call Clarou Tire at 661-324-6069 today. A noun or a verb? Not that long ago, my wife and I were at an event where an excited visioneer came up to us and she started telling us all about the great things that were going on in the business and how this was that and that and this and everything that was going on. I finally had to say, stop! Time out! Noun, adjective, verb. What is it that you're talking about? Describe what it is that you're talking about and tell me what it's doing. After we got done with that conversation, my wife playfully nudged me in the ribs and she said, Michael, you do that a lot yourself too, you know. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, there are numerous times when you come home and you just start blurting on and on and on and on about all kinds of things that are going on in the business and I have no idea what it is that you're talking about. And I got to thinking about it later and I said, well, yeah, because I'm excited about all the things my business is doing for people. And then I also started thinking about another visionary friend of mine who is very focused on the thing his business creates and not so much on what it can do for people. You see, both are important. You have to have the thing or the service to be also be able to help people solve a problem and do something with it. But so often we get to the point that we are thinking all about the verb, what it can do, or we think all about the noun, the thing. So as you go through and you contemplate a little bit about your business today, are you focused on the noun or the verb. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week with Stephanie Buchanan, the owner of Bone to be Wild, and I hope you learned something today that you can use to grow a strong and profitable business, and we'll see you here again next week when we celebrate another small business making a big breakthrough. It hasn't happened before, but you never know. Okay. You know, you know Murphy's Law. It is, always. No, yeah. Around here, always. <laughs> the only uh -huh. constant is Murphy? Yeah. No lie. <laughs> By the way, um, why are dogs like cell phones? I don't know. They have caller IDs. Okay, that was a total death joke. Total dude. You guys are so on the same. Oh my god. Well, it's it's okay because you know this is going to end up in the credits, so you can you can tell Jeff to look for it. Man, he is going to laugh and he'll tell that joke to other people too, just well, like you do. There you go. There you go. You know now that's now it's going to be online and it's going to be you know for everybody to see for miles and days and years to come. It's evergreen. I have one for you then. Okay. The same. Sure, sure. I changed all my passwords. 
passwords to Kenny. Okay. Now I have all Kenny logins. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real one. There it is. See? There it is.